And the next pitch to Martinez, a swing and a slow chopper toward third. Here comes Bryant, on to first! And the Cubs have won the World Series! A moment that many thought might never happen has happened here in Cleveland. For the first time in 108 years, the Chicago Cubs are World Series champions. Yep, that moment I remember saying to Theo, hey man, am I going to live to see this? Well, if I were you, I would work out, eat right, and let us work on it. And then they got it done. Never, ever forget that night. But there's so much more to unpack from his time here. And he joins us now, Theo Epstein, who's been a great friend of our show throughout the nine years he's been here. Theo Good morning. You wake up today on to the next chapter of your life. What are your emotions as you went to bed last night knowing, okay, I've taken that step? Morning, Cap. Morning, Jay Hood. Uh, I feel great. I mean, yesterday, it couldn't have gone better. Um, I'm completely at peace with the decision. Actually, kind of thrilled with it, with with the way it all went down. It's just rare these days that uh, you, you get everyone on the same page. Um, to have a, a succession plan like this and that you leave on great terms. And, you know, the things that were said to me by, by coworkers and um, just the outpouring of, of love both ways um, really underscores, I think, how special uh, things were here. Not, not, not necessarily just results, but how we went about it. We were always there for each other. I think um, so many people made a huge impact on me, made me better. And um, hopefully I had, had an impact on a lot of people along the way, too. And, and uh, we care so much about our fans. They were so good to us. So coming through Theo, for them ultimately with a championship means a ton to us. Theo, it could be a, a gut feeling. It could be something that when you talk to family about it, everyone goes to a crossroads. When did you know the time was right? What day, what time? Uh, you know, it was... We were using October 21 as a sort of default. Um, that's when my contract was up, although that was never going to be um, you know, sort of prohibitive either way. Um, and then this summer, you know, things changed, obviously, in the world, and they certainly changed in the industry. And so, therefore, they, they changed in our organization as well. And, uh, it, you know, it became clear that we were going to be faced with some decisions this winter that that carried long-term impacts it was clear that you know we we were for at least a year um going to be working with some reduced resources just because of what happened to our revenues that's that's across the game and then you know it also became clear that deb was ready and you put those things together and i i never want to be in a spot where i'm more of a of a of a burden than a help or where i'm a hindrance or where there's an awkward fit and it just, I think the logic behind it was, was compelling. And then, uh, as I thought about it, I, I was completely at peace with it emotionally as well, because I, I, I felt like we had done what we set out to do. The organization is in really good shape. I know there are obvious, um, short-term concerns at the big league level with, with some of the things we're dealing with, with this winter. Um, and the upper levels of the farm system aren't exactly stacked right now, but the bones are great. Like we, the redesign of scouting and player development went incredibly well. We're doing some groundbreaking things. The early results are really, really encouraging. The system's on the rise. Jed's 
more than ready to take over. It's a talented front office. Rossi, I think, is going to be here a long, long time and do an outstanding job. And we've got a ton of talent on the roster coming up, you know, coming back that want a division that we can either use on the field or in trade. So it just logic made sense. I was great, fine with it emotionally. And then the last part was making sure, you know, Tom saw it the same way and we could get everyone on board and pull off what happened yesterday. When did when you arrived here and you didn't know any of us and boy you know you're a Boston guy and you won two titles and now you're coming to the lovable losers of the Chicago Cubs when you hit the ground and got your hands dirty was it what you expected or no now that I'm out of there when I got here it was a little different than maybe I thought I was getting into yeah it's funny you ask that you know because uh, I was I was I wrote a little bit about that. Um, just kind of getting my thoughts together uh, over the last couple of weeks. When I got here, it felt so foreign. Um, I didn't expect it to, you know, just, uh, you know, two, two major markets. Um, I've been to Chicago plenty of times. Expected it to feel more familiar, but Chicago, the Cubs, Cubs fans all felt really foreign. Um, I was thinking back to that first press conference, like I was, if you watch clips of that, I was speaking in this like monotone because I wasn't totally comfortable. Um, I remember I toured Wrigley the day before. It was gray. It looked awful. There was plywood everywhere. It wasn't how I remembered it. Cubs fans, the sensibilities, like um, the traditions, everything was unfamiliar to me. It, it, uh, whereas when I took over the Red Sox, that was already in my blood. And now you fast forward nine years later, and you know Chicago is home absolutely for our family the, the, the cubs and their fans um are, are like an extended family and all i know all the traditions i feel like i i've got the same heartbeat as as cubs fans and now when i think of wrigley field you know i don't think of <laughs> that gray day with the plywood i think of you know a sun-filled beautiful afternoon game sitting in the stands watching our players go out and win a game and and uh, you know, enjoying everything that comes with being a Cubs fan. So it's been quite a transformation that way. Theo, is there something that surprised you about Chicago versus Boston, whether it's the media, the fans, the culture? Can you, can you talk about both and what's similar and what's different? Yeah, you know, the, the biggest difference for me is just um, the certain personality of the fan base um, that I think relates to the different sensibilities in the different parts of the country. You know, Boston is, um, you know, comes from like puritanical roots and is kind of a ser- overly serious at times place. And I can, because I'm from there, I can say that without getting in trouble. And 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 kind of can be cynical, especially as they relate to their sports teams. And you know, even even if your team had like, if you're sitting at Fenway Park, Red Sox might be in first place, might have a five run lead, but if a reliever comes in in the seventh inning, throws, you know ball one, ball two, it's like the sky's falling and you could hear the history of the crowd. And here it's just, even when the team is in last place and losing, um, but you're at Wrigley, you're having a good time. You've got a cocktail, um, Eric cold one, and, and you're with your friends. It, it seemed like everything was okay and it was optimistic. And as long as the team was hustling, things were okay. And that, that obviously started to change as expectations um uh, grew and as a, with, with performance that that changed a little bit, but I, I still think it's it's just true. The difference between sort of that sensibility back in Boston and this Midwestern sensibility here is reflected in the general 
optimism to the fan base here. I'm not saying one is better or worse because I love them both, but definitely different personality. So we were asking, you know, what what are you going to be remembered for? Obviously, November 2nd, 2016, that's the greatest night of my sports life because that's my team that courses through my veins. But I think the thing that is bigger for me from the seat of a Cubs fan and someone who's covered this team for darn near 30 years I hate the St. Louis Cardinals, and they always had that freaking Cardinal way and got to hit behind a runner, they're going to do it. Got to get a bump up, they're going to do it, and we're going to find a way to screw it up. And then I sat and talked to Jason McLeod, and he said, you got to ask Theo about the dinner on Valentine's Day when we were putting the first iteration of the Cubs way together. He goes, we go to dinner. I'm going to let you take it from there because that's before anything got built. Yeah, so it was, our, it was right before the first uh, org meeting that we had in February of 2012. And it was, it was probably overly ambitious, but I, I thought, you know, this is our chance to get everyone together in the organization, all 120 or so people in scouting and player development. We need to, we need to cover every single detail of how we're going to play the game, how we're going to teach the game, what we're going to look for in players, what kind of makeup we're going to value, everything. We need to get it all written down. So... Of course, we were scrambling to finish because uh, that's quite a daunting task to, to get done in in, in, a, in a matter of a couple months. And so, it was the night before the meeting, um, I think it was like it was February 14. Um, we we're in Arizona. The meeting started nine o'clock the next day, so we still had. Uh, I think we had to finish up base running or something. And, and um, so, I, I, I grabbed Jason. He was running player development. Said, let's let's go out to dinner. We'll finish. We'll, we'll have a working dinner. We'll finish it up. And we'll work on opening remarks too. So we go to a restaurant and uh, looks pretty crowded. A lot of couples. The hostess is there. She kind of sees the two of us, gives us a nice smile, and asks if we you know if we want a table for two. We say yes. She says, "Oh, I have this nice table over here." She seats us. So then we sit for like two hours. We're sitting next to each other, grinding on this work, have a good dinner, get up to leave, and um, she escorts us out of the restaurant. We look around, we realize with all these couples that it's uh, Valentine's Day. That's why there are all the couples out there. As we're leaving, she just says, I have to tell you guys, you just make such a cute couple. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. You're like, oh, my God. We were here yeah. working. They thought we were together. <laughs> so yeah, we were dying. We were dying laughing. But that, I think I told that story the next morning at the at the kickoff the org meetings, and it, it broke the ice pretty well with everybody. Theo, when did you know uh, that the organization was turning the corner for good? You know, before we got here, the Cubs would win a championship here in '84, win in '89, and it would be so few and far in between. But there had to be a turning point. We say, yeah, you know what? We're going in the right direction. When was that for you? Um, I think it, it manifested on the field, um, probably in, in, in the last couple months of 14, um, there, there was a stretch there where we called up, we called up Javi, we called up Soler and then, um, and Hendricks and, and Hendricks started to pitch really well. And then, um, and then we had that game in Cincinnati where Chapman threw over Rizzo's head and uh, or threw over Baker's head, and then Rizzo challenged the stormed over and challenged the entire Reds dugout. That was where I felt like 
we kind of grew up a little bit mm-hmm. as a team. We're serious. We played pretty good baseball. I think played at least over 500 or maybe a tick above the last two months. And having those guys up and playing well, um, having you know our our young star potential players go from prospects to young big leaguers allowed us to then do a little bit better sales job with uh, the Joe Maddens and Don Lester's of the world um, that winter. And and so I think that that was an inter- an important turning point. And then um, around that same time, I think too the we made that as a muscle trade July third or July fourth of that year that summer. And that was when we made that deal. We thought it felt like we had just made our last deal um, for a while, where we'd have to um, move, you know, key veterans for for prospects. And that, hey, pretty. I think we said like we're going to start losing. You know, we just want all these deals because it's kind of easy to win deals when you're uh, when you're trading veterans for young players. That we're probably going to we have to all get comfortable, probably going to lose, make some deals that are uncomfortable deals. We'll we'll probably lose, but they're going to help us win on the field because we knew we were going to start to get competitive in a hurry. So you get to the world series and I was talking to Rossi and he said, I'll be honest with you. When Rajay Davis hits the home run, the first thing in my mind went, Oh God, there's a curse. There's absolutely a curse. Ben Zobra said the exact same thing. The first thing in his mind went, Theo's going to be pissed at me because he for calling fourteen straight heaters. Correct. He said I never <laughs> could ever call any sliders. What went through your mind at that moment? You're sitting there with your son, and I think he's like a math whiz. Dad, here's the odds <laughs> of what we're going to do. Well, it's eighty six percent, whatever it is, and your wife's sitting there. But the Cubs still have not gotten over that hurdle. What goes through your mind that moment? Yeah, I mean, it was, I, you know, I, we were, I was pretty wrapped up in that at bat, in the dynamics of that, that at bat, because, um, I felt like he, he was just out. If you, if you just, if he spun any slider, he's, he's, he's out. Or even, you know, he also had a change up. He was just so geared up for fastball and was cheating so bad to, to get to it. Um, Jed, Jed was, was, uh, a few seats over and we were, we were kind of looking at each other out of the corner of our eye and motioning, you know, doing the little slider motion be like, let's just get this, just throw something other than the heater, get this at bat over with. So we were and and that bat went on so long that by the end of it, we were, even before he hit the homer, we were, we were kind of like seething. And, and that's common. Like, you, you know, you, you just, that's how you watch games, right? Um, is second guessing everything. And, and then when he, when he hit the homer, it was like just couldn't believe it. Um, and yeah, of course, there's an element of here we go again. And you know, I, I didn't think curse, but I just think like God, this cannot, this cannot be happening to us. Like, why does it have to be so difficult? And you know, and the place is going crazy. And so at that at that point, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to on the road to to blow a big lead in a game that you've been you've been winning the whole time and come back and win. So I felt pretty pessimistic until. Yeah, I saw what I saw during the rain delay, and that kind of changed everything. Theo, as you move away from the game for a while, you know, you and I are around the same age, and we saw baseball as, as kids where you you saw the game move a little quicker, where you saw guys on the base pass, you know, a lot of stolen bases, a lot of hit and run, just a lot of things that keep the game moving. So as you take a look at baseball now moving forward, what are some of the things that baseball can do to improve the on-field product? That is an issue, is it not? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's no doubt, you know, that a lot of the, the work that's been done um, by people, you know, in, in my position, it, 
to try to optimize individual performance and team performance has had a pretty big negative impact on the entertainment value of the game and on the aesthetic value of the game. There's not too many people who go to the ballpark and say, Hey, I, I don't want to see the ball in play. Like I'm here for the strikeouts and walks. It's just <laughs> sure. Like stri- strikeouts are great. And you know, you remember watching Roger Clemens 20 strikeout game and everyone here saw Kerry Woods 20 strikeout game like that. That's great. But you don't want it to be such a fundamental part of the game that, um, you know, 20, 25% of plate appearances, which is a threshold we're pushing towards in baseball and in a strikeout. So I think the, the biggest thing is to get more action back in the game. You have, you have to get the strikeout rate under control, and you can do that through a combination of um, certain um, making things a little bit harder on pitchers and changing hitters' incentives away from all-or-nothing power strikeout approaches and towards towards the ball, ball in play. So and baseball um, ultimately will control like a lot of the variables that that um, you can uh, you can adjust to, to make a little bit of difference in the style and play, and by that I mean the playing rules, the dimensions of the playing field, the equipment, uh, the, the strike zone, the properties of the ball itself, and so I think you know they're and they're hard at work on this, and I'm, I'm really optimistic that there's going to be some change. I, I think there's this broad consensus that uh, the trends in the game are, are are troubling, and that if we can get the ball and play more, put the game back into the player's hands a little bit less, you know, the gameplay itself, less, less uh, dictated by, by the front office, the whole organization, more about the players and what's going on in the dugout, bring athleticism back and you, to encourage athleticism and, and change incentives for general managers to, to value athletic players more. You want to encourage ball and play rules that promote the ball and play. You want to encourage rules that promote base running and, 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 um, you know, outfield defense, things along those lines. And you can, you can legislate towards all those things slowly and gradually over time without, without it, without doing it in such a dramatic fashion that it, uh, you know, is an interruption to the game or a distraction or changes the game that, that we all love so much. There you go. There you go, Cap. The stolen base is back. Yes. That's right. Here we go. Going yes. back to the 80s again. Here it, we go. Get back to it. So, <laughs> Theo Epstein's our guest here on Cap J Hood on ESPN 1000. Theo, how much change do you think is truly on the horizon? Because when you arrived, you were very transparent. Hey, man, it's going to take time. Let us build this. And you once said to me, we were doing a season ticket holder event. Just get me to 2017. And it came faster than you thought. How much change mm-hmm. do you think is on the horizon? Yeah, first of all, it's not not my place to say, but it it just depends on a lot of things. You know, a lot some of it just depends on um, how well we do as, as a country uh, trying to mitigate the spread of of the virus and then um, mobilizing the the vaccines as quickly as possible. And that's obviously something that we all want to see for for myriad reasons. Um, most importantly, the the health and welfare. Um, of, of everyone in this country, um, but the, the quicker that happens, and the quicker fans are back in in ballparks, and and, and revenues start to well, life returns to normal, which is what we need. But then, you know, revenues also ultimately return back to normal, and you know, the degree to which you can project that, I think, impacts every team um, across baseball. So, the more normal looks, the more normal an off season you can have, and 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 the more representative team you can, you, you could, you're, you could probably put together and put on the field, or the stronger your plans can be. So that's, that's the biggest variable. And then, you know, all the other variables apply that 
the, the trade market, the free agent market. You know, you just just now really starting across baseball, trying to figure out uh, with the tender deadline coming, and then meetings after that, and free agency kicking in. Is you know. How, how are your players valued out there in the game and what, what possibilities are open to you? So Jed and the front office will do a very thorough, uh, very thoughtful job of sorting through all those possibilities. Yeah, I, I, wanna, I want you to measure for us the level of frustration that you might have had with this Cubs team the last two or three years because I've never seen a good team struggle so much offensively. You could just throw the lineup out there and say, why can't, uh, can't these guys be able to give you what you need offensively? So how do you look at the last three years and how do you look at the Cubs moving forward when you have this ineptitude offensively a lot the last few years? Yeah, I mean, look, it's not fair for me to sit here and say oh, I'm frustrated at their performance. I mean, I, I, I'm accountable for that. So just frustration with myself as well. Um, you know, it, 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 but it, but it, we, we did underperform. You know, if you sit there and look at paper, look on paper, you know, right now, you know, this group still, still projects to be, you know, a, a solid offense. And we should be, but we can't necessarily rely on that because it hasn't proven out that way. And, you know, with, it, with, with the players that we have and, and with the progression in their career and, and all of them moving into their primes, we always thought, you know, by the time we got to, um, this stage where, where they're in their primes, just based on the talent and based on what they'd already done the first couple of years of their career, that we'd have, you know, a powerhouse group of position players and that we'd be scrambling to figure out the pitching year to year. Um, that was, which is something that we've actually been able to do. We've had the second best pitching in baseball since 2015. Um, but the, the group of position players, it never all came together at the same time. And, and um, I take responsibility for that, but yeah, having, you know, having to go out and supplement the offense with a significant move each year was not something I anticipated having to do. You know, the, the deals for the Daniel Murphy's and Nick Castellanos of the world. Um, and then the, the struggles down the stretch, despite that, um, that's something we didn't anticipate. And if you know, and but we have to, you know, obviously have to learn from it going forward. But if you, you know, if you told me that, um, you know, all these players that have maybe struggled down the stretch and, and are the source of a lot of frustration, I know for our fans because um, it hasn't come together that they that they from this point forward, whether it's here or somewhere else, absolutely go off and, and reach their potential and play in a lot of All Star games and win MVPs and Silver Sluggers across the diamond. Like it, it would not surprise me in the least because they are that talented in terms of leaving the cubs would you ever consider another sport so whether it was the bears or another team in football if they called you and said theo we'd like you to be president of our team would you consider another sport well i you know i have too much respect for what it takes to um you know the the decades of of work and experience that go into developing expertise in a given sport to ever say yes to that. I just um I think it would be sort of like just presumptuous. Oh. Oh, I think we lost you know, I'd never rule yeah. anything out for long for long life and I do love these other sports. So, you know, look I I I'd never say rule anything out, but I just think that um it can the premise of that question vastly underestimates um, how important it is to fully immerse yourself in every element of player evaluation and 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 
and team composition in another sport before you can be an effective player personnel person in that industry. Theo, is there something in baseball that you'd love to accomplish that you haven't yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, winning, I guess winning a World Series as a third team would be, I mean, that's, that would be the goal. Like, when, if I get, if I get back in, is, I'm not, I don't even know if someone's done that or not. Um, but I'd, I'd like, obviously, that's something that I'd like to do. But, you know, I'm not completely results um, oriented. Every, you know, as I, you know, when you sit and reflect about what, what's important in life, like that's that's the obvious answer. But I've been very fortunate, obviously. I've had people give me opportunities and people believe in me. And then, you know, been able to work in a couple front offices where the culture that developed was one of trust, transparency, um, connection, collaboration, fun. And, um, and I was privileged to, you know, sit atop those organizations and be in a role where I could make sure I had everyone's back and provide some shelter for them and give them room to roam and room to make mistakes and, 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 and room to grow and then room, room to flourish and dominate and, and see them develop and, and move on as top executives too. So, you know, maybe maybe you know more important than winning a World Series again somewhere else on the line would be just having the opportunity to to be part of a culture like that again, develop a culture like that. And then the older you get, the more you see the people who've who've worked with you uh, and worked for you blossom and go on and do wonderful things. So I'd love to see um, somebody that I helped develop win win some World Series and make a make a big impact in a on a fan base as well, too. Last thing. So the, if you take a macro look, boy, there I'm at my dad's gravesite three or four days after you win the World Series, and I'm looking around going, wow, there are Cubs pennants, hats, red and blue flower everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's the macro look. Micro is you and some of your closest confidants putting toilet paper all over the front of Jed Hoyer's house. <laughs> Where does no, that that's rank? That's a rumor. Ah, we got video proof. What is that? Now, what does that that's mean grainy, to you? That's grainy video, so you can't <laughs> prove the identity of any of those individuals. <laughs> that had to be something, because of what you've gone through to get to that point, it had to be an amazing moment. Uh, what, in Jed's yard? Yes. Yeah, well, Jed, you'll, you'll learn soon enough, as, now that he's at the helm, that he, he can... He can be overly, you know, conservative and, and, and never afraid to look out for his self-interest. And he can tend to shut it down early on a night out when you're supposed to be, you know, put on, on behalf of the Cubs having a good time mm-hmm. with your colleagues and building culture. He's not afraid to shut it down early and go home so he can get his beauty sleep and, and wake <laughs> up early in the morning and work out. So if you do that too often, there's, there are usually consequences and a price to be paid. So. <laughs> you, you'll see how that you know you, as you get to know Jed better. You'll 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 see his weaknesses, and hopefully you'll work with him to to improve those. Theo, thank you so much for always being so accessible, so accommodating, and being most importantly very very honest through the good and the bad. Thanks, guys. Well, I've to say I've enjoyed this ride, and um, it would be a massive understatement. It's been you know the thrill of a lifetime, and and. Shows like yours uh, help help develop that connection between the fans and the team, and give an outlet for people to voice 
you know, all their emotions, frustration at times or, or joy at times. And, um, that just adds to that just adds to the richness of the experience. And as I said yesterday, you know, the, one of the special things about Chicago sports and the Cubs experience in particular is that the lines get blurred, you know, between fans, players, front office people, owners, media members, um, and especially with you, Cap, during Game Seven. Gosh, you were rooting really hard, and which is which is awesome, and I love it. But that's what makes it special. We're all in this together. No, no, no one wants to try to accomplish something in a vacuum it's um and this is the opposite of that this this is this was an entire city an entire fan base with the organization doing something special and experiencing it together so um we'll never forget it and i appreciate uh everyone caring so much because that's what made it special thanks guys appreciate your support we look forward to talking to you down the road all right take care guys take care you You got it thanks there he is theo epstein former president of the chicago cubs